How would you like to be introduced um, uh, as a, a writer or a, what kind of label are you vibing with lately? God, I sound like I'm from California, which I kind of am. I love it. Please say that again. So, that like, what kind of, what like, kind of vibes? What kind of like? We'll just start right here. Out. So, yeah. like, what kind of like <laughs> label are you like resonating with lately? Because, like, it's yeah. really important to me to like use people's like nomenclature and labels yeah. and be really respectful and use yeah, like, well, pronouns. Right. Way up in Berkeley, we're really sensitive. We're really woke about it. So, yeah, go ahead. I'm an aerialist, and I am a, I'm a, a writer in training, I'll say that, uh, and I am an herbal witch as well, so pick one of those, or all of them, I think that's what I'm vibing with lately. Yeah, so those three. That's a really good place to start. Thanks for coming on Ascendant, Rachel. Uh, this, you, you go by Rachel mm-hmm. Michelle, am I pronouncing everything correctly? Yes, that's what I've been. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we... <laughs> Met via uh, the wonderful, talented, loves hearing the sound of his own voice, but it's okay because he's got great stories, Jamie Caddo. And <laughs> he's, I think he's really affected both of us in a really positive way. Um, Absolutely. Jamie, the sacred fool, who was actually the third interview of this show. And you're one of the first people um, I've had on this show that is like, likes, like evidently really likes the show. So that's now, now we're in an echo chamber of, it's not really, I'm kidding. <laughs> now the show, <laughs> the snake is eating its tail. The show is producing its own guests, right? Yes. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. Um, so thanks for coming on. <laughs> I know really like, like it's truly, I am so honored by the people who have decided to come on the show and to share their abundance stories and personal growth stories. That's what the show is about. It's to facilitate good conversations and to raise awareness about a, a plethora of growth oriented topics. But the, my current obsession is journeys from scarcity to abundance that might morph over time as I, this show continues to evolve. But, um, but yeah, and, and Jamie, you know, has had such an interesting impact on me as well through his work with one giant leap and with, you know, the book, uh, insanely gifted. And, uh, if I keep talking about it, I'm going to need to like ask him for an affiliate code, but, um, seriously though, everybody should check him out or the third episode of this show, uh, which is, I think it's called Jamie Caddo becomes nobody and invents Sanskrit, which not a lot of people know <laughs> Jamie Caddo did invent Sanskrit. That's very, he, he's basically Dr. Who, right? He can jump around. Yeah. 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 Jump around. But uh, we met through um, his uh, lovely weekly gathering. Actually, it's twice weekly, but uh, the morning one is difficult in American time zones because it's, uh, I believe, 11 in the morning on Saturdays on Zoom, which is a big part of our lives um, since the world tried to end, but luckily did not quite end. Yeah, we are in the after times. I, I think we're in the after times, Rachel. So it, it's pronounced Rachel, though, not Rochelle. Because yeah. the spelling is a little different. Okay. Is it? It's just normal. Straight up. R-A-C-H-E-L. I actually <laughs> don't know. This doesn't matter, but I don't really... Uh, it's because this is just some, my subjective experience, so it's not that important. But I don't really know a lot of people who spell their name that way, so I wanted to make sure I was pronouncing it right. Oh, well, interesting fact. When I grew up in Germany, people read that very, very differently. Because when you read Rachel in German, it's Rachel. Rachel. Oh, yeah. And that is intense. And Rachel <laughs> means revenge. So no way. I felt like a lot of intense energy coming my way when my name was pronounced that way. And I would be very adamant about correcting people and saying, no, it's Rachel. And so then I had people who couldn't say that word. Germans have a hard time with the er part, the mm-hmm. sure, you know? So then I became yes. uh, Rachel, 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 you know, like just whatever version they could get out of their mouths. Um, well, <laughs> I'm intrigued because I didn't know you grew up in Germany. Were you actually born in Germany? I'm really intrigued. Yeah, I'll just give you like the one paragraph snapshot to give some context before I answer that question. Perfect. About, um, yeah. So I was, my parents met in Germany. They got, they got married 
they got pregnant immediately and moved to North Carolina for a hot minute. Hmm. Popped me out. Stayed for a couple <laughs> minutes. Went back to Germany. <laughs> um, stayed for a couple of years and around first grade. Popped back over to North Carolina. I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina. And hmm. we popped back over there for maybe a year. Not, not, no, not a year. When I was in first grade, maybe six months. I started first grade. They put me in ESL, even though I spoke English perfectly fine. And then they moved back to Germany again. And I stayed there until 2001 when I was 16. And then we all moved to the States at that point. We moved to Harrisburg, which is like, you know, uh, in Pennsylvania. Harrisburg, PA. Harrisburg, PA, which is the capital, apparently, of Pennsylvania. So there you go. Fun fact. That's why it sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) So are you bilingual? I am bilingual. Yeah, I went to German schools. uh, And I had an English-speaking church. But my mom's whole family, aunts and uncles, she has 10 brothers and sisters. They all have a bajillion kids, and they all have kids about two. We're all still in contact. We're on a big WhatsApp together. There's about 100 of us. And they still get together, and I've got to see them a little while ago. Anyway, so all my roots are there. Wow. Still very much connected. And I did grow up bilingual. I had many other... I studied French and Spanish and Japanese and Italian in school. Um, so language has always been a thing for me. Um, it still is very much. And that's part of my abundance story. You know, cre- adding my love of... The things that light you up don't light you up for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, they're all on purpose. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm language and linguistics and semantics and where they came from and how they've merged and the worlds that connected to create them and the ability to hear and communicate with people has always been so fascinating to me. So I've just like created abundance in that way for myself because I can walk into any room anywhere and understand somebody usually. Yeah. Um, Like I went to Morocco and I don't speak Arabic or any of the other dialects but I can speak French and a lot of people in Morocco speak French. And so yeah. even there, a place that's so foreign to my daily experience in terms of different religion and the way it works and the countryside and the music and everything, I could still understand. That's like the one thing that I always wanted to be able to do. I remember when I was little, we grew up with a lot of people from all over the place because my dad was a pastor and the churches we ministered to were ministry to the military so we had a lot of people all over the world coming through and we also shared our space with a german church to save on rent money and then we also shared our space with a puerto rican a spanish-speaking church so i just have so (laughs) many beautiful cultural things my whole life and we house people from africa who are missionaries and coming through constantly and my mom baked and cooked and my dad preached his little head off until it was red he was a (laughs) Jumping, yelling, pastor. Oh, wow. <laughs> Was that like kind of a... Oh, this is very interesting to me, Rachel, because in the context of what little bit I know about what happened later, yeah. you know, you you say, you know, you, you, as you said earlier on, like this sort of witchy thing, uh, that sounds like there's a story there. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, so much. But before we get to that, was he sort of like a fire and brimstone kind of a teacher or mostly just a... Um, I saw him evolve. I saw him evolve. He was very passionate. He really believed what he was saying. And he was definitely raised in a very legalistic household. So that shone through in the first, you know, 20 years of his ministry, but it morphed. Mm. And he also later discovered that he's bipolar. And so that got kind of worse in a sense if you look at bipolar as a mental disease that's not managed well yeah uh, it got worse and caused a lot of crazy shit to happen so we left when we came to america he first took a church in kentucky i moved to kentucky for a hot minute wow. six months and that was a whirlwind of a whole another story i can tell another time um being a german girl in kentucky what the fuck I'm so, so sorry. Yeah, Kentucky's. Um, I, I actually, I'm on the outside looking. I can't talk about Kentucky, but the perception of Kentucky. I've never. I just drove through like a thousand years ago. Um, and but the perception. It's. I mean, there's there are several different versions of America. You know. Oh the, yeah. Many versions. The version you're going to get in Alabama is going to be very different than the version you get in the Bay Area of California, where I where Absolutely. I was born. 
or New York, you know, like Massachusetts, they're all different. It's like different countries. It feels like different countries. Yeah. It really should be even just based on size, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also why is Rhode Island its own state? You can practically walk, <laughs> right? You can practically walk across it. This? Yeah. Who's coming up with this stuff? And then Montana, you know, was the size of Germany. Not really, but it feels well, like, yeah. 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 And Absolutely. so beautiful. So beautiful. I know. And yeah. Cold. That's, yeah, so many things. Kentucky was beautiful too, and really fucked up. And really you probably beautiful. felt like uh, complete, yeah, just a total out of the it was out like, of your element. What? And I, you know, but we had already moved so much at that point when I was in first grade. That didn't end. Like we moved three more times within Germany during that first grade year, school year. <sighs> Uh, during which I also ended up living with this elderly couple who I'd befriended as a child in one of our previous homes. And I stayed with them for two weeks because my parents were, uh, had one child and were pregnant with my next sister. I think at that point, looking for a house, looking for a church, we kind of lived in like the parish houses for a while. And some of them were cool and some of them weren't. And my mom didn't drive. My dad also worked for UPS full time. Like it was fucking nuts. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you, how, how do you, how do you want to proceed? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I can, I can steer this bus a little bit. I yeah, occasionally steer, steer the bus. Um, I just, I'm thinking about how the transition was for you because I was raised pretty religious as well. And I was raised that, you know, paganism is bad and yeah. anything witchy is bad evil like anything witchy i think this is where the juicy angle is here and probably some several of the listeners are thinking the same thing of like how do you go from being raised christian to being pretty witchy and what is that transition like you know and i don't know if you identify as wicca or just pagan or just witchy um i really wasn't exposed to that culture very much until I lived on the big island of Hawaii, which is this mm. incredible cultural mosaic. Um, I guess I was exposed to it somewhat by a dear friend who lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, yeah. But uh, I was more exposed to it in, in new ways on Big Island. And I was like, wow, like there's, you know, there are people who are so knowledgeable about, you know, like, be careful about Moldavite. That's all I'm going to say about that. Wait, what's Moldavite? <laughs> Moldavite is this wild, rare... Um, I believe it's only from one spot in the world, and it's it's a mineral that came from a meteor, and it, like, it's... it. I mean, I'm not that woo-woo. I'm, people listen to this know that I'm kind of woo-woo, but, um, <laughs> but Moldavite has... It just does weird stuff to uh, magnetic fields. It's a stone. Yeah. Yeah. I probably have some in my house somewhere. It's green, I believe, if I'm recalling mm. correctly. Dark green. Yeah. I didn't know if you were also a, a semi-precious gem person, but... Um, I am. I am. I can tell you my journey into the, the transition into what I am becoming or whatever. I would I would love <laughs> to hear that and hold safe space for that in as yeah, much as totally. you want to share. Yeah, no... It's- I feel yeah, like I have a more mild version of that in a way. Like I'm not a, war- a warlock or a wizard or anything. But um, <laughs> I'm or a te- are you? I'm a technology wizard. No, I'm. Yeah, a, that's a thing. That's I'm a, a half thing. elf bard. Everybody knows that. Anyway, so how do <laughs> <laughs> you're a, like a Dobby impersonator? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know who Dobby is? <laughs> oh, in in Harry Potter, little... no, 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 yes. no. He was a goblin. Half elf is more like a cross between. Elf. Okay. Is he an elf? Him. Okay, this is a different yeah. kind of elf, though. He, I'm, elf. I'm more like what? a Tor, a Tolkien elf. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Gotcha. Like gotcha. I'm a mix between like yes, Sam yes, yes. and Legolas. I'm feeling you now. I yeah. got. I'm catching your vibe, man. I'm catching. It's your okay. Vibe. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious, like, how did you, how you got inceptioned? Because you know, back in the day, like, you couldn't just come across a Wikipedia article about the Salem witch trials. And go like, whoa, you know, back in the day, it was, you had to do a little more work to learn about some of these things. You did. And my, uh, my education and upbringing in Germany definitely assisted in that because growing up there, I was educated on, uh, the witch trials 
when I came to America, actually. No, that oh, let me get I'm let me get my timeline straight here. Where did it start? I have discovered down my journey where it started, if that makes sense. I didn't know these things as they were happening, but sure. now as I dive deeper and deeper into just truth for me. I have found some of these roots and I realize now that they come from my grandmother 100%. Mm. She spent a lot of time with us as a child and we spent a lot of time with her. She lived with us for a little bit um, and she grew up in Hungary and I just remember her definitely not identifying as a witch by any means in terms of all the cliches attached to the taboo of that word, but she was from the earth and knew how to use it. Mm. Um, she was foraging constantly. And so a lot of my plant knowledge that I have now is sourced from already being exposed to that as a child, foraging around our yard for certain leaves, you know, nettles that she would cook and make spinach out of. She was very poor growing up and had 10 children. Wow. And um, so she had to grow her own food and stuff like that. But and she probably didn't even know how medicinal and nurturing her foraging for those specific things was. She was just trying to cook for her children. Right. Um, but little do you know, like if you make nettle like spinach, it's like the most nutritious plant there is. Yeah. It's good for the skin and the blood circulation and the in intestinal systems. It wakes up the body and, hmm. uh, you know, creates energy flow. And like she kept her children alive this way. Um, and you, you say very she's still alive? Husband. Yeah, she's still alive. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Kept, kept her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, she kept herself alive. I mean, yeah. I remember every day she would eat a spoonful of olive oil with chopped up garlic in it. Every day. Every day. Every day. And she wow. put oil in her ears and cotton in them and wore a little babushka. And then she turned into a round Hungarian ball. And she's so fucking cute. I can't even handle it. Oh she's the cutest God. little squishy thing. And she's a little bit has some memory loss now. It's very sweet. You have to yell at her and remind her of what's going on. And <laughs> uh, she forgets who everyone is. But we had such a magical moment last year. I went to see my family and I hadn't been in like eight years. Mm -hmm. um, and we all went and visited her. It was like a bunch of my cousins that I grew up with and some of my aunts and we just went and she looked around the room and our cousins and their kids. So her great, great grandchildren were there, you know, and she looked wow. around the room and was just going, you in German. She said, she pointed at my cousin and goes, you, you're mine too. You're mine too. And then she was just so dumbfounded and, and happy. It was amazing. It's just this wow. very spiritual, raw, gorgeous I don't know. It was amazing. It's beautiful. It was really beautiful. So it started with her. And obviously she taught my mother. My mother knows how to manipulate a kitchen. Tell you that. Hmm. She can just create magic out of ingredients. And hmm. her, you know, whatever she doesn't consider herself a witch either. Because again, taboo. You can't say that. No. You're not even allowed to think that you will. Yeah. You might probably go to hell. Like the devil's yeah. definitely coming for you. Um, well, God will punish you. Yeah. <laughs> this raises an interesting <laughs> question, which is like, how do you how do you define that? Right? How it where's? I mean, I uh, I am not an expert on this. I have so much to learn and understand about this. So uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, yeah. I'm I'm humbled. Like, how do you? How do you draw the line between someone who's pagan and someone who identifies as a witch? In is there a different like skill set? Like, what, do you have? Honestly, do you, I don't even. I mean, how, what do you mean? How do you view that? Yeah, like I guess I'm saying, like, how do you know if you're a witch? Well, what is a witch? Let's define that first, please. <laughs> um, what's your definition of a witch? I can give you mine. I think I'm the wrong person to ask. I mean, just shoot, shoot. <laughs> Just shoot it out and we'll compare notes. How about that? I I'm mean, traditionally, it's someone who's thought to have the magical powers of some kind, right? Sure. And what are those magical powers? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I guess it could go back to even something like alchemy. Um, In the sense of manipulating physical objects. Yeah. 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 Like but, creating fire out of nowhere, that kind of shit. Yeah. That's sort of how or I think about it making spells like but how 
I'm gonna look well, up. Right. I'm looking up the uh, the word. It's actually from Old English. Okay. Yes. Let's do it. I love Wicca this. is masculine, and wick wick w i c c e is feminine. And that's all it says. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> just look up the, the word witch <laughs> for the origin. No, just look for the origin. Oh, it doesn't oh, say oh. very much. Um, I would I would love to expand on the definition of the word witch. Sure. Okay. My my Macintosh has a built-in dictionary. Let's um, do it. What does it, Webster say? Number one. This is actually a pretty good dictionary. Uh, I don't want to brag, but I really like this dictionary. I it's love dictionary. The, the new kind Oxford American English Dictionary. Yes. Uh, excellent. So that's that's a real dictionary. I have uh, the French version of that. Oh, très bien. One, yes, <laughs> a person <laughs> thought to have magic powers, especially evil ones, popularly oh. <laughs> depicted as a woman. Is, I'm just reading the dictionary, guys. Yeah. Send your hate. <laughs> send your hate mail to um, Webster's American. I, uh, yeah, Webster at dictionary dot biz. The the link will be below. This is where you can mail your shit to to but, change that. <laughs> to quote the great Bill Wirtz, vote now on your phones. Um, <laughs> A person thought to have magical powers, especially evil ones, popularly depicted as a woman wearing a black cloak and Ooh. a pointed hat and yep. flying on a broomstick. Definitely. Uh, a follower practitioner of Wicca or modern witchcraft. Two, derogatory. I don't know how the first one wasn't labeled as derogatory. Right? For what the fuck? Here's a derogatory. <laughs> uh, this is an explicit show, so it you can't It should be titled swear. Prejudgment of Here's the derogatory shit, everybody. An ugly yeah. or unpleasant woman. Okay. Okay. Three. I love that. This is dated. I identify as the second part. Unpleasant. Okay. Okay. Um, a woman. No, who but is... I don't take that as a. I don't take that as a derogatory identification. I don't expand on that. Oh, okay. Uh, three is a woman who is bewitchingly attractive. Oh, I like that too. Four, an edible North Atlantic flatfish that is of Definitely. some commercial value. Yep. That's me as well. <laughs> I did not know. I didn't know there was a, a fish called a witch, everybody. Oh my God. You learn something new every day. That's I do. Yeah. It's also a verb. The witch fish? Huh. The witch? Wait, witch is a verb? Yes. Okay. Uh, to cast an evil spell on. So I they have an example. You? Miss Mukarski had somehow witched the house. I didn't realize yeah. that could be a transitive verb, but apparently it can be. I guess it's like. Then it evolved into bewitch, to bewitch something. Right. So they're saying that the current senses are probably a shortening of bewitch under the origin. And yes. for bewitch, it's enchant and delight Be someone or yes. meaning to cast a spell over. And it is from Middle English. So it came along. Ooh, oh, back, back, back. Go back. Go back. To so it said enchant or delight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I love that. Bewitch yeah. is a great word. I, I use yeah. it. Bewitched. <laughs> Bewitched is a great word. So, uh, you know, I'm this is not my area, uh, Rachel. I'm not going to lie. I don't know a bunch about uh, Wicca, or I know that the this is embarrassing to me in a way because I'm pretty familiar with you know, the big five, you know. Uh, don't be embarrassed. Let me just give you a disclaimer. I am also not that familiar. I mean, I, I probably know more than I think because yeah. I've been diving so deeply into it, but same <laughs> right uh, well i just want i'm just wondering how you think about it because you're a guest yeah. on the show like how you self-identify as a witch and um if you felt like there was something um that you had to do or to understand before you can consider yourself that right yeah do i how do i earn the right to call myself that i'm not saying that <laughs> I, well, i'm just wondering I asked myself that question though i think it's a good mm. one to ask sure um, not that you need to earn the right. And I guess that's kind of the point. I have realized that I don't need to earn anything and that I just am what I am. And that's it. Tatvam Asi. Yeah. Let me see. But I can dive into it. The transition to it. To or you can start with, because I'm guessing you were raised um, Protestant? I could be wrong. I, no. Well. Let me tell you. So Lith I was Lutheran. No, <laughs> I was raised in a non-denominational charismatic environment. Does oh, that mean no. anything to you? It does actually. Yes. Church of God, assemblies of God, and then no association to anything. And then church of God for the ministry to the military. 
they're all ruled by different governing parties for the quote unquote um being accountable to each other bullshit aka mm. who gets paid dues because people make out even within this denomination people make fucking money and my dad you know what let me give him some credit here he hated that he hated the fact that he had to pay dues to these people when his own family was just like fucking struggling and trying what? to get by financially I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm in a fever dream. Wait, who's he paying dues to? Is this like a franchise? Like the the. It sounds like it. Yes. So in the ministry to the military, if you are a pastor for them, like they send you out to whatever church. If you get that, if you do it that way, you have to like raise money and they put you up in a house and all this stuff. But part of your offerings every month, a percentage goes back to those. Uh, generals and officers who are in the military but working for the chapel it's really political and weird and connected and weird weird. so weird and so he just didn't like that and when he left so he left that church of god denomination exited it you know like migrated out like a same thing i'm doing now i left my church and to everybody that i knew that move Mm-hmm. to stepping into whatever esoteric practices or even just like liking <laughs> rocks and hanging flowers in my house like that makes me a witch go the fuck to hell okay like i am all of that yeah i will wear a flower crown if that makes me a witch fuck off please but it, that's how it got treated you know and when my dad mm. left the church of god and became his own thing which is a thing in and of itself it's non-denominational the uh, like political equivalent or societal equivalent could be a nonprofit. Like you just are no longer paying anyone anything. You just kind of broke on your own. You keep all your money. That's it. <laughs> Sounds preferable. Um, but was this something that you got interested in? You, so you, you know, what I'm hearing is you, you have this Hungarian grandmother. She's kind of getting you grounded in the earth. You're understanding the, I mean, nettles alone are pretty, special but um like how was there a conflict was your father ever like your grandmother is poisoning you like how did that play out no no there was nothing there was nothing like that there was no uh no putting down of any of of those specific women or what they did because it wasn't even considered to be magical um it wasn't until i came to america that i when I got married, actually, and became part of that church, realized how limited and conservative the viewpoints were of the people that I was associating with. And mm-hmm. I just couldn't, it just didn't feel right to me. But I was also kind of raised in this spiritual limitation way, scarcity of mm-hmm. fear and, um, you know, being in line with the rules or else mentality, like mm-hmm. um, that I couldn't, that. I just experienced these little flashes. Like when I was married to my ex, Mm. even just talking about or looking beautiful, Mm. me looking beautiful, he couldn't handle that. He would put it down and kind of shame me for it. And then bring the church in to talk about how women need to be modest and not showing off. And I kind of was like, what the fuck? I hate that. I hate you. I hate this. I hate wow. Was it around? Was was it? Was he criticizing what you were wearing, or like the way yes. you were presenting in general? All of it. Everything. Wow. All the time. Yeah, that's what it felt like for me. You know, um, and I definitely enabled it, or I played into it. I became very people pleased. I realized that from my childhood, which was also very emotionally neglectful, because my parents had a lot of shit going on, and yeah. a lot of kids to take care of, and you know, I parented my children my own my own sisters as if they were my children at some point probably parented my parents i babysat a lot i had a lot of experience and Mm -hmm. that all served me well when i became a mother (laughs) because first all my trauma needed to ripple out and i did a lot of therapy and a lot of healing um and a lot of Mm -hmm. just attention diving in Mm -hmm. to myself in order to discover these things and i guess identifying as a witch is kind of like a silly it's a silly little label that I'm like playing with and toying with because it's so activating in so many people. And I fucking love that. I love mm-hmm, it. I mm-hmm. fucking love it. I love everything about it. Like I just bought myself a mini cauldron 
It's made out of cast iron. It's adorable. <laughs> and you know what I can do with that? I can burn charcoal discs with resin incense on them because they can get hot enough and it's not going to set anything on fire. That's Ooh. so cute. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like, yeah. it's not evil. It's not going to cast some spell on me. Well, and I think <laughs> if, that... If anything, it gives me more power because I feel like I'm accessing ritualistic ancestral practices by burning incense and honoring the gods and the spirits, yeah. whatever that means. Well, and this, you touched on something, yeah. there's several things I think are really important to highlight, which are, you know, in, this isn't unique to America either, although it seems more egregious in America for some reason. Just yeah, so yeah. this sort of like, this, this perspective that some people have that their way is the one way. And if you're not doing it that way, God is angry with you and right. will punish you. And, and, and I loved it. I think that that is a very dangerous perspective for anyone to have this sort of this Absolutely. narrow view in any area. What can come of that? What can come of that yeah. level of consciousness? That's a question I ask a lot. And I also like to ask these people, okay, so how did the universe work, let's say, 3,000 years ago before your belief system was invented? <laughs> That's another good thing to think about. It's right. like, I think that fundamentally when people get really, there's this danger of over-identifying your identity as a human with your belief system. But if you, oh my gosh, if you are your identity, if you are your beliefs, then those beliefs could never change. But don't don't beliefs change all the time? <laughs> uh huh. At least with people who are interested in growth and learning. Beliefs change all the time, and mm -hmm. it's funny because I did learn so much through my very spiritual yet legalistically religious shadow of my Christian experience. Mm -hmm. Then moving into this uh, much more conservative and restrictive space for at least a decade and taking wow. that as an opportunity to like fill myself out so much so much so much so much pressure that it exploded that container and it no longer was able to fit for me but i learned discipline i learned i went to church every day almost twice a week my entire life wow bible studies youth groups retreats women's outings cooking for people servicing you know hosting people uh praying spiritual practice actually writing reading the bible like i could tell you a lot about the bible almost every story i've read it from first to last word in one year i did a whole thing you know i've been deeply in these bible studies Good and they were deeply deeply educational and also so fucking weird because then we would hold each other accountable to this, like, Jesus is the only one and only, like, that's, you know, and you could just look around the room and everyone kind of going, I really don't fucking believe this bullshit. I really don't believe this bullshit. But no one could admit and that. And you, you did know? something that a lot of, I'll say this, in, in, in my experience, a lot of Christians or people who have said they're Christians, I'm going to lose half my audience. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> a lot of people, no, but like a lot of people who claim to be, they, they actually haven't read. Like I, I, I'm going to own this. I've, I've read probably 80% of what is considered the canonical Nicene creed Bible. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a lot. And some of it's boring as fuck. It's very large. Um, I remember Ezekiel <laughs> was pretty trippy. Uh, Job was pretty rough. Um, yeah. Sometimes I smoked a little weed, make it more interesting, you know? But, you know, like, let's be honest, like the New Testament's much more interesting. But, um... Revelation's where it's at. Also Revelation's is my favorite acid trip. But, uh... Me too. Revelation's is an acid trip, pretty sure. And so is Song of Solomon. Song of it's Solomon's like, pretty sexy. It's a sexy ecstasy. one, right? Ecstasy. Yeah, that's just, like, dripping with erotic juice. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so no i'm just thinking like we have a, we've, we've covered a lot of ground um yeah uh, so you i respect that so much rachel because you were actually were on the inside looking in though you actually yeah. gave it a go you i think people judge a belief system on the outside looking in and it's not as valid of a assessment if they weren't on the inside sure whatever i mean um, it's just my experience i don't judge anyone else for any of that i just can yeah. see so much i can see 
so much of how people hold themselves in scarcity and mm. in fear and in denial. And for me, I was very much the judgmental fucking Christian bitch who thought everyone was going to hell because they didn't believe Jesus was their savior. You know, like I prayed at my locker in high school in front of it. Um, Wait, of you put that on your locker? No, like there was like a, a kneel in, they called it where we were going to kneel in front of our lockers and like pray for the salvation of the souls in that high school. And wow. I did that. And I kind of muttered it out loud a little bit, but I made sure no one could actually hear me because I was embarrassed as fuck. Like, I felt like a fucking idiot. And I love that I have that experience because no one fucking knew what I was doing. They thought no. I was tying my shoes and did it matter. But I was having this huge spiritual experience of fear and facing my fears and doing it for Jesus. And like, you know, oh. like what the fuck? what the fuck? So, but that's all part of my experience. And now I can look at it and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Some people still live there in that space, you know, like every day and they do things with conviction and they judge people with conviction and they close roads and knock people down on the name of like following the Lord, because that's our mission. Like we have to suffer for suffering sake. Like I cannot abide to any of that bullshit anymore. So how did you, and I, (laughs) how did you, (laughs) how did you, no, how did you, uh, uh, how did you allow your perspective to shift? What was the inception point for that? Because that's scary for a lot of people. I had a moment like that when I was a teenager and it was this like, oh, I, I really, does this, feel like the whole truth to me and i it takes a lot of reflection and critical thinking skills and courage to be the only person who doesn't want to go to church that you know um because you're like this doesn't seem like this doesn't seem like the whole truth like the world is bigger than this and you get judged you get judged a lot if you go against the tribe i mean it's tribalism Totally. I have different experiences of that experience, yeah. um, all different versions of it being judged and being the judger or, but then, you know, my last church that I was part of, there was a lot of like decent humans in that space that were critical thinkers and they weren't so brainwashed, yeah. um, as some of the people that maybe I would have labeled that way, including myself. And we should also say a disclaimer, right? That, you know, just because someone's, you know, going to a, you know, uh, yeah, it doesn't mean you're brainwashed. God, doesn't mean that they're brainwashed, obviously. No, um, people have they think I'm brainwashed, obviously. Like, they yeah. think that there's something wrong with me. <laughs> I, I, I guess, I guess for me, like, if I was trying to try to, and I want to hear how, like, I want to know how long it took you to transition, um, to a different perspective, but I just wanted to say briefly, I think the, the, the measuring stick that I like to use, Rachel, is okay. If this measuring stick was used against me, and if I'm using the same measuring stick against them, like, it, what is an overarching principle that I can use? And, you know, it, if I don't want to be judged for having certain views, it doesn't make much sense for me to judge someone else for having... Exactly. It, it's, it's mostly a question of... Exactly. I don't... Right. And I hope you don't hear judgment. Well, you know what? I don't care. I don't mean judgment in my... When I, I don't say, feel you, say. you do. Yeah. 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 I don't. Um, I definitely feel real anger and response to the things that have happened to me in the light of my decisions, but I'm not a victim. Uh, they're just part mm. of my experience now. Mm-hmm. Feeling that kind of judgment for stepping away or for choosing to speak my truth for choosing to leave my husband because you know divorce i might as well have just plastered a nice big a on myself and hung up, put myself in salem wow um, how many years did that take for you to yeah <laughs> i'm curious how many i think it was i mean obviously we're always becoming yes there's no time when i was not becoming what i am yeah. So, so I've always been in transition, but the the pivotal moments of like actually choosing to step away from my religious environment and more into, mm-hmm. you know, the earth and herbs and living in heaven now because there is no such thing as we need to work for that because we're here now and mm-hmm. we're alive now and pleasure is available for us now. Abundance and love is available to and it is our birthright to embody those things and to step into that sovereignty. 
So that transition, that even that word sovereignty is something that was so drilled into me through my religious upbringing that I have a, a very sacred space for it in my heart still. And Jesus, for sure. I mean, that man was a light worker. You know, he's an amazing human. Sure. Who we all are these spiritual creatures, whatever. I'm getting done. I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> I had some pivotal moments. I had a really tough moments in my childhood that I worked through. And then I had a really... I was in the right relationship for the right amount of time. It was slightly traumatic. But then I worked through that trauma and I realized that I needed to leave that space because I couldn't, it wasn't allowing me to grow and love, be loved anymore. And some of those choices to choose myself over marriage, for example, mm-hmm. um, became so important to me that they were necessary for my health. And when they were unsupported by the church and by the people that I considered my best friends, um, I just started to realize, like, maybe there's something here. Um, yeah. So I started to distance myself a little bit from some of my childhood beliefs. And even, you know, through therapy and shadow work, you just discover what your what your world is because you've made it that, those belief systems. And some of them were given to you. Some of them were ancestrally programmed in. Yep. Um, some of them you made up yourself. Um, sometimes you were actually a victim of something. Yeah. And sometimes you're not. So I just kind of learned how to parse that stuff out through diving deep. And that happened kind of rapid fire when things got really bad in my relationship. And I was very depressed and anxious and like searching and searching, praying, deeply praying for yeah. God to rescue me, for Jesus to help and to send angels and to protect and to give me wisdom and all for like, oh, make me better so that this marriage can work. Um make me different so that he doesn't hate me anymore or like make me happier because I just must not be content. I don't have enough faith. Like something's wrong with me or my faith or my path, but that all seemed like bullshit. It's all conditional love. Yes. I was so conditional and I, all I was asking for, and I did verbalize this so many times was I see your conditional conditionality everywhere in the church in my pastor in my friends in my spouse in the way that he parented, in the way that I parented, the way my parents parented me. And I just didn't, I was starting to give myself full unconditional love. And I realized how conditional everything around me was. And I didn't judge it anymore. I just stopped playing the game. That set me off on my path to continue to choose myself because I realized that choosing myself was not the problem or like it was a good thing. Uh, and it that was one of the things that kind of led me to move away from faith versus what I am now. Yeah. Was that scary? Because often it's pretty scary to do something like that because you feel like your whole family might reject you depending on the situation. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was very scary. Um, but the more I took steps that were essentially an outward looking outward people looking in um, moving away from the faith or even just being a Christian. Mm -hmm. Let's like put it down to that or embodying all the things that are implied when you profess being a Christian. Yeah. Um, when I stopped embodying those things and I did sometimes speak out about that and I got a lot of resistance and I also realized I didn't have to talk about it. That was my right. Mm-hmm. And, um, <sighs> sorry, I had a child pop in there and totally derail me. <laughs> it happens. Sometimes derailed. Derailed. No, I mean, I'm just thinking about isn't it funny how much humans really care about the belief systems of other other humans? Yeah, right. And it is scary. And you know what was scarier, though, was to stay where I was and to stay in this closed space where I felt so trapped and so restricted, even in the most basic ways, like not feeling comfortable wearing what I wanted to wear because I felt uh, just, you know, closed-minded opinions. Yeah, and that's okay. Like, you can... You can get over that, but if that's my, that was my day to day and like where my home, my home felt like that and that Mm -hmm. was not okay for me. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, And the more I chose to embody my own essence anyway, 
mm-hmm. the more pushback I got and the more it just, it didn't push me out, but I pushed it out of my atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? Like it didn't mm-hmm. work anymore. It wasn't fitting. It wasn't aligning. And I wanted more out of my, out of a romantic relationship. My marriage was very much just not alive anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was fine. That was good for me to choose. I realized that that was really healthy. And I met a lot of people who were on similar journeys, even beyond the faith part, just leaving a partner that had similar experiences of just setting themselves kind of free to admit that it's okay, that not every relationship lasts forever, you know, like, yeah, well, that alone, you know, leaving a marriage is a, that's a, that could be a whole episode in of itself. That's a very involved and yeah, can be very challenging process. Um, I've sure. never been married, but I used to joke that I felt I felt like a divorcee, divorcee at one point, point. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and you know, but still, I'm still on the outside looking in, though. Um, but you know, there's definitely, you know, at least I didn't have to like, you know, sign documents and get lawyers involved or, or you know, counseling right. involved. Um, oh my god, all the things. <laughs> and it sounded like that transition also was sort of similar timing to you kind of it sounded like that relationship had some beliefs associated with it to where when you let that relationship go maybe it allowed you to be more true to yourself in your own spiritual beliefs as well absolutely and someone said to me it's like you moved from there's actually someone else from the gathering who haven't hasn't gone for a while but i met Mm. up with this person when i went to berlin and she just kind of heard my story and said, you know, it's like you moved from a more liberal place from your childhood into a more restrictive place in your marriage, even in the church and everything. And I never even thought about it that way. I just thought I'm getting older. I must be more liberated because I'm becoming more of myself. But in reality, it was my recognition and her pointing out that the container that I was currently in was so much more restrictive than I had even allowed myself to see it was because I needed to validate for myself that I was in the right place, was doing the right stuff, you know, like whatever. Hmm. So that was really cool. That was mind boggling and amazing. And I came back with a, just, I was already on the right, I was already on the track of exiting. Um, So she was just affirming for me some things that I was like, yep, that's absolutely true. And I am setting myself free from Mm. this environment Uh, and that didn't necessarily mean initially i don't believe anymore it was kind of separate those things came later i just started to see truth slowly for myself outside of seeking validation or affirmation from anybody doing my own research searching for answers and seeing the way other people and humans had spiritual practices and how there were similarities and then seeing the part that was really manipulative and tightening and fear-based. And when I decided I'm not afraid of being alive and believing what I believe and seeing the truth, using the truth, living in love, like body shaming no more, you know, like being fully a woman and sensual and sexual was a big part of that. Yeah. All of that stuff. I just realized yeah, liberating myself. Yeah, it's so important. And I needed to do it, and not just for me, but for my girls, because I saw how they were watching me be small, and they started reflecting fear back to me in terms of, well, I can't say that, Dad, you know, so-and-so's going to be mad, or, like, my dad's going to be mad, or whatever. I realized I got to get out, and I got to get them out now, because it might sound dramatic, and it really did feel that way. And now looking back, like, yeah, that's what I needed to do. I needed to make it a little bit like a dramatic romance novel breakup <laughs> fictional, you know, sci-fi story set in Avatar for it to be entertaining enough for me to be willing to go along with it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what my brain did. there's a writer uh, that I that I appreciate, and he says something funny from now and again. He says, um, "Is this if there are interdimensional aliens watching your life?" This is yeah. this is actually a barometer he uses to make decisions sometimes. Uh-huh. Is this going to be interesting for the interdimensional aliens to watch? Or are they going to be... Right. How or, boring is my life? <laughs> right. Or are they going to get bored and throw popcorn at their three-dimensional screens? 
I think that's such a funny. Yeah, <laughs> or you end up on uh, science fiction theater three thousand, you know? Yeah. MST3K, yeah, that's another version of that, I guess. Yeah. Which I, I was like just watching that last night, actually. Yeah. The Final Sacrifice is the, the best episode. Have you seen The Final Sacrifice? Which one was it? Uh, it's a Canadian no. film. Oh it's amazing. It's season nine. It's cool. It's it's great. It's about um, <laughs> it's about this like underground. This kid has to find out why his dad disappeared, and there's this cult, and there's like this hidden city, and it happens in Canada. Oh, and this kid meets this guy perfect. named Zap Rosdauer, and who's like this yep. mullet you know, truck guy. And they're like this un uncanny, like unlikely duo of this kid and this guy and uh, MST three K the robots, you know, they, for people who don't know, like Mr. Science theater 3000, they basically would watch these old films and riff jokes over them as they're playing and, and make, make the original movie much better than what it was. Yes, just much better. Making it funny. Um, so yeah, yeah. You, uh, maybe there's a version of that with the interdimensional aliens as well. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't want to end up on like the alien version of that show. You know, like our movie is so bad that it now has entered a whole different level of entertainment. But maybe that's good <laughs> too. You know, like make it so bad that it becomes grounds for commentary. Like they're like, yes, that one. If that's what life. you want. I guess <laughs> I've never connected those want, two you know? things I before, can... though. That's that's I'm so you blew my mind, Rachel. I've never connected those two things before. <laughs> that's awesome. That's my job. Yes, wow. webbing the connections between mm. things that don't seem to have any connection. And sometimes we do call in that. Sometimes we do need to make sort of a grand gesture just to ourselves to tell our unconscious mind that this is changing now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. There is something I want to ask, though, before I forget and before you run out of time, which is, do you have any advice for people who are seeking to broaden their perspective? You know, there's that famous quote from Mahatma Gandhi. They asked him what yes. religion he was. You probably know what quote I'm talking about. And he said, I am Hindu. I am Muslim. I am Christian. I am Buddhist. I am, I am basically, he was saying, I encompass all of these perspectives, but none of them are me. Yes. And I, to me, and maybe this is a privileged thing to say, but to me, that's what spiritual maturity means to me. It means like realizing that the universe is a lot bigger than this perspective we have on earth, than this, than these systems and these structures that are, most of them are not even really that old. <laughs> Yeah, or not, <laughs> you know. And then we we then well, they, some of them are, but some of them those are. are the ones that are coming back. Those are the ones that are coming back, you know. Yeah, yes. But even you know, age age aside, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's an. What advice would you give to somebody going like, you know, this this system that I'm in, I feel like truth might be a little bit bigger. It might maybe maybe a source or the infinite, maybe it's a little more broad than just this one perspective. And do you have advice for people who are kind of in maybe yeah, in an earlier advice, stage of where you were? Yeah. My advice, honestly, and here's what I was going to actually share to kind of wrap up how I've arrived where I am is this, what got me to this place was stillness, meditation hmm. and curiosity mixed with loving awareness and full acceptance of everything that was showing up mm. and with the guidance of, you know, trusting and surrendering to universal alignment that everything that is for me is going to come to me and B that all I need to do is believe that there's the highest good in mind for me. And all I need to do is step into aligned action. And the way mm. that I do that is by feeling good in my body by being in tune and I sought out uh, and by following the things that lit me up. And by when I say lit me up, I mean, a event originally, initially they caused fear sensations in my body. Like very hmm. simply when I saw a deck of tarot cards, hmm. I felt fear. Hmm. And I realized by doing shadow work and by identifying my inner children that were, you know, wounded or scared, that was really just all that fear was, was just some like fear based on not knowing. And that was ingrained in me. Like, if you don't know it, it must be bad. 
Um, and I just started to realize that even the sensation of fear is excitement just without the breath in the body. And so anytime <laughs> I felt fear, yeah. I knew, oh, I should probably pursue that actually more because I'm a little bit afraid of it. And I recognize not forcing myself into doing things that scare me more and make me more traumatized. There's a fine line. Yeah. But really uh, being curious about the things that originally it was fear and then it became curiosity. But I've always been very curious. And I love to follow my curiosities um, and I love being in my body, you know, being an acrobat like that's in my blood somewhere. I was in a circus, probably. I grew up going to gypsy circuses and things like that. It was very inspirational wow. to me. Um, yeah. Anyway, so follow your intuition. Go inside. Meditate. I was able to have a space when the world shut down. Hmm. My husband got sick and it got quiet. And wow. It was incredible, that experience, transformational. I needed to be only, I only had myself to fall back on at that point because everyone kind of fell out of my life that I was relying on. So yeah. that was everything. That was everything. Finding me and then finding the lovely gathering, finding connections through embodiment <laughs> work. And that really um, pu pulled me through. It's yeah. beautiful. Can I ask if he got... Did he get COVID or something else? Um, he had lymphoma and he was going through chemo for oh six my. months. Oh my God. Yeah. He was bedridden, lost his hair. He was very sick. And then he got better. Um, but we didn't get better. And mm. then when I was leaving, he got sick again. Mm. And uh, that's happening now. He's going through radiology, but he's clear. Because hmm. no more cancer in his body. Wow. But so all of that's happening as well. <laughs> yeah, it's been a wild ride. But I'm so thankful to be on, on this show. I can't believe you're interviewing me. Like, I'm just a um, human. Well, I, I'm human. I, I like to have, <laughs> uh, you know, I like to have uh, un, unexpected. Uh, I felt like you would have an interesting story, and you did. And I, you facilitated a good conversation about belief systems. And it's always... It's always interesting to hear someone's story through their the through a spiritual lens of how those belief systems change and how we how we face fear. You know, it, there's an interesting movie I'll recommend called "Defending Your Life." I don't know if you've heard of this. It's a strange movie, um, and you're basically the guy dies. He he, uh, he dies early on in the movie, like the first three minutes, and he wakes up in the afterlife. And they basically say, uh, "So we're going to go through all the parts of your life where you were afraid, and we're going to see if you grew over time." And it's basically a yeah. trial. It's a trial in the movie, but it's not based that. on right or wrong it's based on how much fear you had in each situation i thought that was a yeah. very interesting perspective on it and if you're able to let go of that fear then you can pass on if you still have a sphere holding on to then you go back to earth mm -hmm. and i mm -hmm. thought that was a <laughs> it's a trip defending your life recommended they're not a sponsor yeah. but they're good i'll definitely check it out it's like watching <laughs> fellini films or something you know and uh, seeing him playing with the concept of dream, reality, illusion, fear, horror, love, and like everything. If you've watched any of this, like surrealist movies, they're incredible. They did the same thing to me. <laughs> yeah. I, like. I haven't seen Fellini in forever. I should, I should dive back to that. Um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on Ascendant. Thanks for sharing your story and sharing advice and being open, being open to, to sharing how that's been. It sounds like you've, experienced so much um so much growth in the last few years <laughs> yeah it has been incredible <laughs> yes it's been a pleasure aloha aloha and that's our episode this week i want to say thanks again to rachel for coming on the show and opening up and sharing so much of her journey with me and all of us it was very thought-provoking and occasionally hilarious. I actually really enjoyed our on-air chemistry. 
I say on air. It wasn't. It wasn't live. <laughs> uh, and in the after show, Rachel shares an incredible story about seeing something that normal human perception doesn't usually let us see. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but you'll receive that in all the after shows when you support the show, just for five dollars a month over at Patreon. The links to that are over at andrewcrusoe.com slash podcasts, or you can go to patreon.com slash hellocrusoe directly. I want to thank everyone again who has helped support this show in any way, whether it be my beautiful Patreon supporters, anyone who's left a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else. Truly, thank you. This has been a dream of mine to do this consistently for a long time, and you're helping make that possible. Also, I'm posting on TikTok now, which might be a terrible idea, but I feel like it's the right thing to do, as well as YouTube Shorts. You can find those really easily. Just search for my name, Andrew Crusoe, C-R-U-S-O-E. I'm at Hello Crusoe on TikTok and Instagram. I try to get that everywhere. And I'm posting little previews and also behind-the-scenes things about the show and also travel explorations. I would love to join you over there as well. We're having a lot of fun. And if you're not subscribed to the show yet, please feel free to do so. I publish this show pretty consistently, and it's really a labor of love. Try saying that ten times fast. <laughs> Mahalo again, and I'll see you star side. Mm-hmm.